Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue our journey through the Bible and we are going to walk into the book of Zechariah and I am so excited to unpack this amazing word of God in the book of Zechariah as we start our venture through. And Zechariah was a prophet that was prophesying around the same time as Haggai. And the two of them served God together for a short time. And Haggai had gotten the building program going again after a 16-year hiatus. And now Zechariah would encourage the people to finish their work for God. And in spite of any hard times, he encourages them, letting them know that God is with them and God is going to see them through this project. And God was calling them to repent first and foremost, and God was assuring them of his personal concern that he cares about them, that he loves them. He loves his people and he loves us so, so much. And God gives Zechariah a series of eight different visions and they they explain his God's involvement with his people and how he wants to be involved in and through our lives continuously in the tabernacle had been completely demolished and destroyed when the Babylonians came in and took over in 586 BC. And that was Solomon's temple. They were they had the tabernacle first in the wilderness, and then Solomon built his temple, and that was from 966 to 586 BC. And 586 BC is when the Babylonians came in and just crushed everything and destroyed it all and took Israel into exile into captivity and then Zerubbabel is is encouraged to start building this temple and and get it going again and it, it was finished when Herod completely restored it and renewed Zerubbabel's initial project of restoration so that's why it's often referred to as Herod's temple and it was finished in about 19 BC was the restoration project of Herod and then that lasted until 70 AD when the Roman Empire came in and completely destroyed it. And today there is no temple in Jerusalem because we are the temple of Jesus. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in us when we choose Jesus. And we are supposed to be priests for his kingdom, reflecting and radiating God through our lives as we let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us in every single thing that we do and say. And there is going to be a coming third temple which will also be involved as we get into Revelation nor with the tribulation actually and in Zechariah as we get through Zechariah we're going to see this as well that the third temple is going to be a part of the tribulation time period when the Antichrist rises up and he will he will be a in the third temple and then there's going to be the millennial temple when when christ returns and that's the temple that is outlined in ezekiel and then there's the eternal temple forever and ever and ever eternity with his presence the glory of God in the eternal kingdom, which is outlined in Revelations 21, 22. So we're going to go ahead and walk into Zechariah chapter 1. As God calls his people and screams out to his people to repent, and he gives the same message, God calls out to his people, the church people, to repent in Revelation as well. And that was his final declaration to the church. Look, y'all, repent, cleanse yourself, turn to God, seek after the holiness of Christ, chase after Jesus with all your guts. And as you fall more and more in love with him, you'll become more and more like him. We are not perfect. We are not completely sanctified until Jesus returns. 
returns, we'll get a new body and evil and wickedness will be completely bound. But until then, God works through our hearts. He works through a sanctification process. And as we pursue the holiness and, and amazingness of God, we become more and more like him. And when we do blow it, we repent quickly. We say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I, I totally blew it there. I totally sinned and I'm so sorry. And we repent quickly and faster than we can say, I'm sorry. He already forgives us because he wants to, he wants to forgive us. That's why he sent us Jesus. In chapter one of Zechariah, starting with verse one, in November of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave this message to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah and grandson of Edo. I, the Lord, was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, say to the people, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Don't be like your ancestors who would not listen or pay attention when the earlier prophets said to them, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, turn from your evil ways and stop all your evil practices. Where are your ancestors now? They and the prophets are long dead, but everything I said through my servants, the prophets happened to your ancestors, just as I said. As a result, they repented and said, We have received what we deserved from the Lord of Heaven's armies. He has done what he has said he would do. So this was at the time of King Darius's reign. Um, again, just like Haggai, and Darius was a king after Cyrus. This was during the Persian Empire, and they they over took Babylon and they brought peace to the Jewish nations as Cyrus came and says, return to Jerusalem, return to your land and restore your temple. But they haven't restored the temple. So they're getting that fire lit under them to do what God has asked them to do. God commanded his servant to call the discouraged remnant who, who was out of exile now to turn from their wicked ways and obey the word of God, obey the Lord. The Lord couldn't bless his chosen people until they were clean and obedient in his sight. They're still under the Sinai covenant. They're still under the Mosaic covenant. They need to turn to God. They need to repent. They need to be cleansed. They need a temple to sacrifice and, and give atonement for their sins. And the Jewish people who had returned to the land knew that their nations, they knew their history. They knew their nation's history. They knew it well. And they knew that God had sent prophet after prophet to plead with their forefathers to turn from idolatry, turn from sin, turn from wickedness. And return to the Lord. But the nation refused to listen. And they know this. And he, Zechariah reminds them of this here in these opening passages. God left his people to their own ways. They chose sin. So God said, here, have your sin. And they experienced the wrath of abandonment. And it led them into so much trouble. And the remnant had not put God first so that he could bless them as he so desires to do. They're putting their selfish desires ahead of God. And Zechariah asks two questions. Your fathers, where are they now? And the prophets, do they live forever? No, they don't. The remnant needed to put God first so he could bless them and make their lives prosperous before him and so they could glorify him through their lives and the nations around them could see the glory of God through them. But Zechariah was, was trying to point out that that the death of the prophets indicated a loss of opportunity for the nation. God gave them ample time to repent and escape punishment, but they wasted their opportunity 
and now it was too late for them. However, the word of God spoken by the prophets never dies, and the word remains the same. They are to repent and experience God's blessings and prosperities, but they need to repent and turn to God to do that, turn from their evil, turn from their wickedness, and his patience will last forever. God God is very patient, but his patience won't last forever. There comes a time when God says enough and judgment falls. And he he will people who choose sin over God, who choose rebellion over God, who choose selfishness over God, they will be judged for those choices. And Zechariah calls people to repent and their their hearts need to be right with God so they could hear the coming words that God was about to speak through through their their open hearts to God and who he is. They needed to be in communion with God and their hearts needed to be right and true. So they needed to repent and turn from evil and wickedness so they could hear the rest of the word that Zechariah has to bring for them from God. And he, he, we are called to repent. The last thing that, that God said in Revelation was repent, turn to the Lord. And again, he's speaking to us, the church people. We are sinful. We are not perfect. And we won't be perfect until the day of the Lord when he returns. Until then, we seek after the holiness of God and we pursue Jesus with all of our guts and become more and more like him as we do. And um, with that, we'll continue into verse 7 as we see the first of the eight visions. Three months later, on February 15th, the Lord sent another message to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechai, grandson of Ido. In a vision during the night, I saw a man sitting on a red horse that was standing among some myrtle trees in a small valley. Behind him were riders on red, brown, and white horses. I asked the angel who was talking with me, my Lord, what do these horses mean? I will show you, the angel replied. The rider standing among the myrtle trees then explained, They are the ones the Lord has sent out to patrol the earth. Then the other rider, riders reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees. We have been patrolling the earth, and the whole earth is at peace. Upon hearing this, the angel of the Lord prayed this prayer. O Lord of heaven's armies, for 70 years now you have been angry with Jerusalem and the towns of Judah. How long until you again show mercy to them? And the Lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. Then the angel said to me, Shout this message for all to hear. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. My love for Jerusalem and Mount Zion is passionate and strong. But I am very angry with the other nations that are now enjoying peace and security. I was only a little angry with my people, but the nations inflicted harm on them far beyond my intentions. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I have returned to show mercy to Jerusalem. My temple will be rebuilt, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and the measurements will be taken for the reconstruction of Jerusalem. Say this also. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. The towns of Israel will again overflow with prosperity. And the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem as his own. So again, he's speaking words of comfort and encouragement to a nation that has just been released from exile not that long ago and need to rebuild the temple. And he, the, the man standing among the myrtle trees is the angel of the Lord. That is Jesus. And he intercedes for the people of Israel, the, the remnant that remains. And 
the, the son of God, just like he appeared to Hagar, Abraham, and Jacob, Gideon, and Samson's parents, and Moses, he appears and he says he intercedes for the remnant. And there was also an interpreting angel present who was explaining various things to Zechariah as he saw them. Zechariah was asking questions and the angel of God was, was not the angel, not the son of God, but the interpreting angel, the helper, was explaining things to Zechariah. And 10 times during these visions, we're going to see Zechariah ask questions and receive replies. And here the angel of the Lord taught Zechariah the meaning of the horsemen. They're gone, God's angelic army, and they're patrolling the earth to carry out the decrees of the Lord. And the messengers reported that to the Gentile nations. The, the messengers, they reported that the Gentile nations were at peace. So they come back and they report to God, look, all the nations around Israel and Jerusalem and Judah, they're at peace. And the Jewish remnant, however, was in distress and the Gentile powers were at ease. And Haggai had promised that the Lord would shake the nations and redeem his people. But this event hadn't occurred yet. And it's still to come. This, Some of these things are still to come. When prophets get these visions, they are seeing into the current situation, the coming of our Messiah who did come, die, and rose again on that grave. And also to the coming time when Jesus returns and when he speaks of the whole earth being at peace, that's going to be in the end times and after Jesus returns. And there is going to be prosperity and restoration that comes to the land with Jesus' return after judgment falls. Judgment comes first. And um, in verse 12, it says, The angel of the Lord prayed this prayer, O Lord of heaven's armies, for 70 years now you have been angry with Jerusalem and the towns of Judah. How long until you again show mercy to them? And that's Jesus interceding at the throne room of God. He appeals for us. He is our advocate. The Son of God intercedes for the people of God. And and we're God loves us so much and he cares about us so much. And he asks how long. Has, and that has been the cry of the suffering people of Israel. And they they cry out, how long will this go on? And the Son of God, he identifies himself with the cries of his people. And he reveals his compassion and his concern. And the nation would not, they would be restored. And they will be restored. Jesus is coming and he is going to bring restoration. God has a perfect plan. And the Bible is not done yet. It is still going on. It's God's plan of redemption. It's his love story poured out for us so that we can be redeemed and have a right relationship with God. So we can enjoy a relationship with God. We can have a relationship with God now. We can experience his presence. We can know him. He wants us to know him. We bring heaven to earth and we experience heaven while we are on earth, when we become intimate with God, submit to him, lay down ourselves and choose his life, choose his kingdom, choose his eternity. And we get to experience that now. And it's not even a glimpse of what it's going to be like in eternity, but we get to experience a little bit of God and his presence on earth. And we get to have that in our lives now if we choose it, but we have to choose it. We have to repent and choose God in the people of Israel forgot that God had attached the conditions to their blessings and prosperity for their time and culture. They had to repent. They had to call upon God and they have to seek him with all of our hearts. And we have to do the same today if we want to experience God and his full 
full plan for our lives. And after his interceding for Israel, the Lord gave these comforting words to the Son of God, to Jesus, and to give to the prophet. And he affirmed that he has a, an amazing, steadfast love and concern for Jerusalem, and he was going to bring restoration. The Lord was angry with the nations around Israel and Jerusalem because they had been unnecessarily brutal towards the Jewish nation, way more than what God had intended. And he just intended to redirect them, not to torture them. And these nations went way beyond that. And they actually tried to destroy the Jewish nation. And that was not okay with God. And these nations would face punishment for that. But the the Lord's most heartening words had to do with the future, the, the future return of Jesus to his people and the coming prosperity for us in God's kingdom as we get to bask in the glory and presence of God for eternity. And he got, he identifies with our sufferings. This world is not easy. This earth is not easy. He knows and he knows our future too. He just wants us to trust him. He just wants us to cling to him. He just wants us to depend on him for everything. It is our responsibility to repent, confess our sins, believe in his amazing words and respond by working out, by trusting him to work out his perfect will in our lives, respond to his call, respond to his heart pulls and let him lead, let him guide and let him perform his perfect will in and through our lives. And we'll complete this chapter with verse 18. Then I looked up and saw four animal horns. What are these? I asked the angel who was talking with me. And he replied, These horns represent the nations that scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four blacksmiths. What are these men coming to do? I asked. The angel replied, These four horns, these nations, scattered and humbled Judah. Now these blacksmiths have come to terrify those nations and throw them down and destroy them. So we have the four horns and four blacksmiths. And there's a couple of different um, variations of what, what some people think the horns could represent Babylon, um, Assyria, Egypt, and the Medo-Persian Empire. But Daniel 2 identifies four powers, which is Babylon, the Medo-Persian Empire, Greece, and the Romans. And the horn represents power and pride, and it usually signifies like rulers and nations. And it would make more sense that, that to me, I guess, that it would follow the Daniel 2 prophecy, the words from Daniel 2, where it speaks of those four prideful, powerful, powerhouse nations of um, Babylon, the Medo-Persians, the Greece, and the Roman Empire. And every nation that has tried to take out the Jewish nation has discovered the truth of God's word. God is not going to let his chosen nation be abolished. And the nations have done a really good job of scattering the, the Jewish nation. And they're going to be judged for their treatment of God's chosen nation. And God does the judging, not the armies of Israel. His judgments are never wrong. And the horn is a symbol of power, especially the power of a nation or a ruler, like we said. And the the four smiths represent the nations that God used to defeat the enemies of the Jews. So he, these nations hurt the Jews and God then turned these nations on each other as they took each other out. And the concept of the four horns or four nations reminds us again of Daniel's vision in Daniel 2 and the beasts 
in Daniel 7, and both of those speak of the four empires, the Babylon, Medo-Persian, the Greece, and the Roman Empire. And in 722, Assyria devastated the northern kingdom of Israel, but God raised up Babylon to defeat Assyria and eventually take Judah into captivity in 586 B.C., Then God raised up Cyrus to conquer Babylon in 539, and in 538 BC, he permitted the Jewish to return to their land. And the Persians were conquered by the Greeks under Alexander the Great, and Greece was conquered by Rome. And the scenario, it suggests that the horns also become smiths as each empire conquers the previous oppressor. And it reminds us that, that it reminds God's people that God's providence he he cares for us. He has divine ultimate authority and he has all the power and he cares about us. He cares for his people, past, present, and future. And his he has a promise of protection for our futures. If we choose Jesus, we are promised a future eternal kingdom with him. And God is not going to permit any nation to take out his his chosen nation of Israel, his Jewish nation. And there has been several attacks over history on the Jewish nation. God's not going to allow it. And the persecutors of the Jewish nations are going to face God. And the the kingdoms who come against God and oppose God and refuse God are going to face the judgment of God. Jesus is returning. And he is going to bind sin, wickedness, evil, pride, all of it will be bound. And we're going to we're gonna have, just like it says, a whole earth of peace and prosperity. And we get to be with God. We get to dwell with God for eternity. We get to enjoy his presence and worship our almighty, amazing God for eternity as he restores his earth to exactly what he meant it to be. And he's, he's bringing forth his plan. He's bringing forth his plan of redemption for us. And we can choose him and passionately pursue him with every second of our lives, with every breath we take, bring heaven to earth, radiate his glory through our lives, reach other people. Eternity is forever. And God wants everyone to have a relationship and enjoy a relationship with him while we're on earth, as well as in heaven. Thanks, y'all. I hope you're having a most glorious day in the Lord.